0: Awesome. So uh, this morning we're going to be continuing our practical Christian series, and uh, we actually have a, a guest speaker this morning by the name of Graham Sercu. And um, but before he comes up, I would love um, before I introduce him, I would love for uh, Janice. Um, where's Janice? Oh, sorry, you're hiding there right in my vision. Um, and uh, she's going to read a passage of scripture uh, for us this morning, and then I'll introduce Graham. So.
1: Good morning, everyone. The reading this morning from God's Living Word is from Ephesians 5:15 to 6, 3. Pay attention, then, to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, Submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Saviour of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands, you are to love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, since we are members of his body, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself and the wife is to respect her husband. Wait a minute, bit more, but I've got to get this onto the next page. Got it. These technology things. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you. And that you may have a long life in the land
0: thank you janice all right well <clears throat> i'd like to invite graham up. graham is the um if, if you haven't never met graham before as as i have this morning oh yeah i'll, I'll get to that in a second um <clears throat> Uh, but Graham is the community's pastor at Winnem Baptist Church, um, and I only just met Graham this morning, um, but the reason why Graham is here this morning is because um, when we were wanting someone to come in and talk about marriage and family and that sort of stuff, um, there was uh, several people who said that this would be the man to get the job done. Um, <clears throat> and who, it was something that I've noticed about people who know Graham is they speak very highly of him, of his character, his integrity. And, um, and even just speaking to him this morning, uh, it's just evident that he has a real heart uh, for people, uh, for them to know Jesus and for them to know his word. And so um, uh, give him a quick round of applause. Normally we do that while you're walking up. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, we're going to hand over to him, and um, and he's going to bless us with God's word this morning. And I'm, uh, I, you know, you, you you waved me, you, you gave me the wave because I was missing something. I'm like, I get to it, and I almost forgot it again. Um, but uh, as with our uh, all of our other Practical Christian Series um, uh, Sundays, uh, if you have questions um, that arise from the sermon, uh, please text them to that number, and we'll have a Q and A at the end where we're going to get to ask those questions, and, and uh, we'll get, I get to ask some of the questions, and, and hopefully give useful and practical responses for you. So uh, I don't believe that's gonna be up the entire time, so make sure you write down that number, 0485-867-622. Make sure you get that down so you're ready to send any questions you might have, and, um, and we'll, we'll collate them and hopefully get them answered at the end. But without any further ado, and I'm not missing anything else, I am. I'm good? Okay. Whew, we got there in the end. Uh,
2: <laughs> Thanks, Patrick.
0: Good morning, everyone.
2: Uh, it's good to be part of God's family and big family all over the world. And we have an amazing Heavenly Father who um, oversees everything. And I'm very, very indebted to be part of His family. And uh, just love the worship before and the whole theme about being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who's excited about that? Come on. its uh, I get a sense in my spirit. I don't know if you can resonate with that. It's not long now, you know. I know uh, it's been 2,000 years coming, but there's a real sense of expectancy and a uh, real joy around that. Um, I come as a learner today, to be very honest, as a fellow pilgrim with you. Um, so grateful to the faithfulness of God Um over the last 44 years of marriage and and also public ministry. And um, we'll get into that subject in just a while, but um, just very grateful for the lessons learned on the way and still learning. We're going to jump into the opening slide, if that's all right, Tony. Just uh, part of who I am, I've got mission in my blood. It's just something who I am. I have always... Um, particularly when I really dedicated my life to God at 21, uh, a fire was kindled in my heart for the lost and for, for the world. I come from a missionary background anyway, but at the age of 21, when I yielded myself completely to the Lordship of Christ, to his rule and reign, something happened in me and I just went to the streets. And that's defined me ever since 1973 when I made that decision. But what has troubled me over more recent years, probably the last ten or so years, is that we can so easily get locked up in the building. And I was um, I was an itinerant. I was a pastor and an itinerant as well, evangelist. So I'd go and be with churches and with church leaders. And we developed a little strategy called Focus on Red, which is an Acts 2 model, looking at renewal, which is the Holy Spirit coming upon, evangelism, which is us going out and speaking truth, and the final part, which is discipleship with the last 10 verses, beautiful expressions of discipleship. I get to number E, or to the letter E in the process, and I get this incredible pushback. And people were very fearful even of the word evangelism. So um, back in 2017, I think it was um, I we I just began to pray about this and ask the Lord is there a way for us to get to people and and to be amongst people in a very natural but supernatural way, so the concept of shopping centres came up in my mind about con- where people would congregate, so we initiated this. Um, New thing, I won't go into a lot of detail now, we started three years ago at Wyndham Plaza and have now jumped into Capella Bus Central and also down to um, Cleveland Plaza as well. So we've trained and equipped uh, chaplains to go into that space and just be there. I, in 44 years of ministry, I, I've been overwhelmed by the power of presence Because I've been a bit of a confrontationalist kind of person in evangelism. Um, That's how we used to do it. In a buttonhole, people quite, you know, like, where are you going to go when you die kind of stuff. And uh, this has just been a revolution in my own life to see the power of Jesus in working through us as salted light in public space for three hours in every session and just to greet people and say, how are you doing? And so many people have come um, to discover Jesus over that time. It's a remarkable thing. Anyway, it's a little bit of my passion. but Better stop here. Otherwise, I'll keep going. So this is a bit of uh, what Andrea and I do. Andrea and I are both chaplains. We have 12 chaplains all together and connecting with many other churches at the moment. So today, we're getting into the subject of uh, the blueprint for um, marriage and family <clears throat> By way of introduction, I'm one of eight children. I'm the second eldest, the eldest boy in a tribe of kids, and um, um, very grateful for my mum and dad who modelled um, Jesus to us. Not perfect. Um, we left our home in the UK in um, South. South of England, Devon, in 1966, to work amongst the Aboriginal people in WA. So my mum and dad served in that space for 50 years, and, and uh, incredibly faithful um, uh, followers of Jesus now gone to heaven. Andrea also has one of seven, and uh, her parents were vocational missionaries in Papua New Guinea, and uh, Andrea's father uh, translated the Bible into Hiramotu, which is the language of Papua. So you can kind of get the, the idea that we were sort of, uh, when I met Andrea and we got married, that uh, having such large families that we came from um, and good experiences, that we thought we would go ahead and multiply. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But I love the concept of generational blessing. And in Psalm 78, this is the most beautiful expression of how we can kind of passed on from generation to generation. And it says, what we have heard and known, this is Psalm 78, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established uh, the law in Israel. And he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And in turn, they would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. I'm a product of generational blessing. Um, My great-grandfather, my 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 great-my-great-my-grandfather, Um, was a church planter in the UK, a farmer, but he did that as well. My dad became a missionary, a follower of Jesus as well, and taught me. Andrea, similar story except her father. Um, My my dad's um, father was a drunkard and a very broken sort of person, and my father-in-law decided to break that chain and to really set a new agenda for the kingdom of God. So I've loved the family. It's um, We value family. If we go to the next slide, um, we have seven adult children now and 20 grandchildren and two coming this year. Yes. The Bible says go forth and multiply, so we took that up very seriously and, um, and chose um, to have... A uh, big family. Uh, part of our call to discipleship is to follow Jesus and to obey Him, and so we would seek the Lord about what He wanted to do. And we felt very strongly that we would invest in uh, in our children. Um, as I've placed on the title there, it, it, we that love and value, value family, but there has been and will be many challenges to follow. You look at a photograph like that and see all the beautiful faces. You know, behind a photograph like that, there's also a bit of pain, would you agree? Uh, I want to tell you it's true. (laughs) When you start out as a young couple and start having children and you sort of wonder how it's all going to work out. But we so much value the principles that God has laid down in the Bible. And just to seek Him and to find His ways, even the whole area of of procreation how would that work how do we do that um in in terms of understanding uh, the reproductive system for me working with god and allowing him to give to us whatever children he wanted and i thought six children was it and and then um the lord had a big surprise for me Uh, we had just bought a, a kind of a van with eight seats and god gave us another child And I said, Heavenly Father, what are you doing? You know, all the bedrooms are full up now and the car is full. What are we going to do? And I felt the Lord say, Graham, I just wanted to bless you with another one. And uh, so Fiona came along. And what a blessing she has been. She's the one that says, Dad, when you get older, I'm going to look after you. I thought, oh, that's nice. Um, Yeah. But home and marriage have lots and lots challenges but the home is a place for discipleship our children are very perceptive around hypocrisy it's living a genuine life an authentic life in public space or in the space behind those four walls of the home and i just love the fact that my parents prayed for us that andrea's parents prayed for us now it takes a long time to get through the list of our children praying for them. Our last our youngest son is getting married in, in August, uh, on August the 10th. So he's our last uh, son on the extreme um, left-hand side marrying Miriam. So we're very excited about that. But we love family, don't we? Love family? Jump to the next slide. You know... Um, Uh, Australians love family I'm just interested hearing Scott Morrison close out on his um, his speech the other night how much family means to him he said it means everything and Australians speak very highly of family you hear of all the celebrities they'll, they'll just talk about family as being so incredibly important we value that And we value marriage, while 77% of Australians will live together before marriage, uh, which is a very high percentage, but still marriage is high on the agenda. It's the linchpin of society. In fact, 92% of couples are married, so the statistics tell us. But you know, the Bible gives us some very clear guidelines about even how we do relationships. And, uh, you know, just the whole concept of leaving and cleaving and becoming one flesh, that is, not living together or having sexual intimacy before marriage, is something of a mystery for secular people. One young lady who chose not to live with her boyfriend but wait until. Um, marriage um, was confronted with her friends and they said um, they thought she said it was rather weird Um, friends said they thought it was weird when you don't live together before marriage And, and the tragedy I think of modern times is that is the culture is discipling the church and we find now that for many Christian young people that's almost part of what they do uh, and um, i'm not sure of many but it, it's we're finding that a lot but the biblical world view about how to do relationships primary marriage is to it's just join in a friendship relationship and then wait for the day of wedding before there's intimacy and we'll unpack that a little bit shortly We go to the next slide. We know that uh, marriages are failing in many, many cases. The the percentage is about one in three at the moment in Australia. Uh, But I just uh, found these few little points. There's some very common um, issues that cause the breakdown of marriage. Breakdown, uh, poor communication, basic unhappiness, loss of love and incompatibility. Infidelity, mental stress, and emotional problems. Conflict over men's and women's roles and spouse's personality traits. You know, it takes a lot of work to, um, to journey well together in marriage. Uh, blokes are very different than, uh, than ladies. As that goes without saying. And uh, so there's a lot of adjustments around personality, around gender, and how God has hardwired us our, at our history. Remember Henry Ford reading that uh, on his 50th wedding anniversary, a journalist called out to him and said, what's the secret to longevity in marriage, Mr. Ford? And he said, I use the same principle as I've done with motor cars. just stick to the same model, which I thought was a very a good, wise advice that we're finding so much brokenness around homes and marriages, just working with a couple right now who've um, broke up with their first marriage and now are living together, but just came to us with a deep-seated sense of pain. And what a joy it was for us to introduce to to Callum and, and Tani the whole biblical worldview of what God has to say about marriage. And as we began through for, over the last eight to ten weeks around about week eight they both decided to let Jesus be their king it was the most remarkable moment as both of them would just began this flood of tears I think we almost went through a full box of Kleenex tissues as they wept them wept you know into the kingdom of God as they yielded and surrendered to let Jesus be the king of their lives but the mess that it's left them in to deal with all of that brokenness is is huge but that's discipleship we're not working with them to provide that blueprint going forward we're not immune from these sorts of things on the board i don't know how your marriage is this morning whether or not some of those things on the board that you can see say yeah that's true and maybe there's a little bit of a slide at the moment. It's the very early beginnings of you not communicating. And you're starting to isolate a little bit and, and start to find a little, some faults in each other. And um, it's very important that we keep the lines of communication open, that we're utterly transparent and open with, with each other, just as we are with God we have uh, a, a three kind of three particular values that i've adopted and we've adopted into our home and family and it's it's honesty integrity and transparency so our dialogue as a family is to be very honest with each with each other and keeping the lines of communication open no matter what calling things out early allowing there to be healing if there's brokenness um, The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. So broken relationships and anger that rises out of that will create that topos. The Greek word for opportunity is the word topos, which means ground. And once you allow something to agitate and to grow into some sort of caustic relational struggle, The enemy will ride on that and try and take more ground. It's like a beachhead. So it's imperative that we deal with issues as they arise before we go to sleep. And um, I've got to tell you, um, sometimes Andrew and I have gone to sleep and there's something not going right. And I'm tossing and turning and so is she. And I'll turn the light on and say, honey, something's not right. I'm so sorry. What have I done? A good friend of mine, (laughs) a good friend of mine said, you know, (laughs) there's two very important phrases to remember in marriage. One is I'm sorry, and the other one is I love you. And my friend said, make sure you don't run them together. I'm sorry, I love you. (laughs) Otherwise, you you'll be in big trouble. So when the light goes on, and I say, and we own up and start talking things through and, and uh, try and resolve the issue, um, your relationship can grow in leaps and bounds. And we'll talk about that. We jump into the next slide. I want to talk about four principles um, to make a, a strong marriage and family. I love the Bible. I, you know, One of the things that disturbs me about these modern times is that many people don't read their Bible. Uh, I'm the community pastor at Winnem Baptist Church, and it's my observation that many people just survive on Sunday messages. You know, it's lovely to bring your Bible on Sunday. Can I hear a few amens? Whether it's electronic or I like the hard copy better myself. I'm a bit of old school. And uh, it was funny how Tina said before about the offering box being old school. I had a chuckle about that because uh, that's how we often used to do it. But the Bible gives us these principles to live by. And uh, I want to walk through some of these principles. Uh, I trained as an aircraft maintenance engineer and I, I studied the manual. And if airplane wasn't flying well, And we had to make some adjustments where we would follow the manual. And it was critical. The tolerances were very small. And for us doing life together in family, we need to do it God's way. So we will shine, and we'll talk about that in a minute. When people watch you and see you as you function, you become uh, like a light on a hill. By virtue of you showing something of the glory of God which we sang about before. Let's jump into principle number one. Principle number one, as the Apostle Paul is unpacking uh, life and living uh, throughout the book of Ephesians, and he's closing in now to talk about marriage, he talks about wisdom. And I know that we need the wisdom of God. The Bible says, as we've got on the screen, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. One of the things that I've coveted is this gift of wisdom. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In the New Testament, talks about the Apostle Paul talks about how Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So for us navigating our way forward, a premise for a strong marriage and family is always the mind of God. It's the wisdom of God. And finding out what it is as I began as a young married man, trying to work around this whole thing of, of um, procreation and how you know just and um, and just understanding biology, which I didn't really understand before, and and saying thank you, Lord, that you created the human body in a very specific way. Help me to work with you. Help me not to just jump to some conclusions, but to recognise that the womb is a very sacred space, and you've given me this beautiful lady, this beautiful girl called Andrea, and I want to understand. It's a little bit hard for me, uh, Heavenly Father, because this interesting species that you've created. Sorry, but and I, I want to understand this. And the Apostle Paul said it's all a mystery, and all the men said, "Amen." But it's a wonderful thing that we become students of our wives and understand a little bit of of, of them as they become students of us. I hope I'm not coming across too biased here in one way. But I'm deeply troubled about the trends. On the whole issue of gender. This whole question of transgenderism. Andrea was teaching Ari at school the other day and she announced to the children as she was doing her introduction grade 5 class they were expecting two little bubs this year and we don't know if it's a boy or a girl we don't know that and this young fellow put his hand up and said it could be a trans just had a a mother stand on Thursday with me at, at Wyndham Plaza, just tears because her daughter swallowed the lie that she could be a boy, she's a beautiful girl, but somehow the culture, and I'm not wanting to push too much into this space, but the Bible gives a very explicit teaching in Genesis chapter 2 about what is male and female, and how God has made us specifically very, very unique. Did you know a a man's brain is very different than a, a lady's brain? And all the ladies said... Yeah, absolutely. That a little boy at six weeks of age in in utero is, is washed in testosterone, and that would change the very structure of that little baby's brain. That the corpus callosum that runs between the two hemispheres of the brain would become very well defined. That rope nerve will separate those two hemispheres. So that young man would have to think long and hard about issues because the communication from the left to the right side of the brain is much less efficient than it is with a girl. And all the ladies said, hey, it's true. And a bloke will just go into his cave and he'll start to think and, and he'll try to understand some stuff. And the lady is his wife or she's already figured it out. She's, got, she's already got the answer. Able to access it, you know, what do you call it? Multitasking. I can only do one thing at a time and I struggle with that. I look in the fridge and I say, honey, where is it? She said, right there. And Romans warns us about this, that we mustn't let the culture disciple us. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be squeezed into this world view that the voice is very, very loud. And I was preparing for this morning, and I was even wondering, can I be very open and honest about some of these critical issues of gender? Because the culture is screaming out at us saying, you must not speak about this. But we need to. And in our homes and in our families, we need to embrace and, and, uh, God's worldview and, and not be conditioned by the culture. I'm very worried about our culture. But I'm worried about how it happens to the church. Just like the story of the frog. When you put a frog into hot water, it will jump out. But if you put a frog into cold water, you can bring it to the boil and the frog will die in the water. The temperature is rising. And as brothers and sisters and as God's beautiful bride, we must make ourselves ready. And the Bible says that we need to deal with those spots and blemishes... And those wrinkles, spots are the minor end of compromise. Blemishes come out of spots. What comes out of spots is wrinkles, and a wrinkle is a permanent way of thinking. I have many of them here on the side of crow's what they call them crow's feet, but that's a wrinkle. But in this, in our own hearts, we can be conditioned by the culture. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And as a young father, I began to cry out to God for wisdom. How do I train my children? What do I do in this disciplinary situation? And I'd send them to their room and I'd go and sit on my bed and say, Heavenly Father, what is the right uh, application of discipline for this little girl or this little boy? Because our God is the all-wise God. And so we go to him for marriage, for family, for life, and for living. He's the source of all wisdom. And God's mind is expressed in the Bible. Read your Bible. Be biblically literate. And it's interesting that... We make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I wonder if that word opportunity means that you can display the wisdom of God by the way that you live. That You're different. Proudly different to be part of the ecclesia. Proudly different because we're part of God's community. Following a set of values that he's given us in the Bible. Proverbs 4, verse 5 says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. An old old pastor, evangelist, Mr. Jarrett, was a very wise man. I came to him one day and I said, Mr. Jarrett, you've always got these pearls of wisdom. Where does it come from? He said, well, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And I just read a chapter a day for each day of the month. Graham, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. Principle number two we desperately need wisdom. Number two, we need to be filled with the Spirit. As we go through uh, contextually through the story leading up to the subject of marriage, we need the mind of God through. The Word of God, in order that we might get the wisdom of God, but we need the Spirit of God to be able to actually do it. So the Apostle Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melodies in your heart to the Lord. You know, I come from a very conservative tradition, you know, from uh, when I was in my growing up years. And so Um, oftentimes in our church the Holy Spirit was always spoken about in whispers it was actually the King James Version which was Holy Ghost which always used to be a bit spooky for me but um, I came to discover at the age of 21 that I needed to be filled with the Spirit that I needed to relinquish my right to rule and let Jesus be my King to be controlled by him, to be led by him, to be filled by him. Because up to that time, I was struggling so much in my Christian walk, Um, having been baptized at 13 in water. I struggled through my teen years. And one night in the city of Port Moresby, I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? And the Lord spoke into my heart and said, Graham, I can't use you because I don't own you. If you give me ownership, I'll do the miracle. And that night in 1973, I relinquished my right to rule. and I asked Jesus to fill me with the spirit. It's very interesting that the verb here play of is, is an interesting expression here because it's, it is in the imperative. It, it is a command. It's not an optional extra. For, the Penteco- you know, for us or just for the Pentecostals. But it's for the church. And whilst my church, the church that I grew up, was very strong in the word, but very weak in the spirit. Some churches are very good in the spirit, but very weak in the word. Someone said, if you only have the word of God, you'll dry up. If you only have the spirit of God, you'll blow up. But if you have both the Word and the Spirit, you'll grow up. So I like that. And I just need both the Word and the Spirit. And I think Ephesians 5.18 talks about that. But in Colossians, which is also a prisoner epistle, in chapter, chapter 3, I think it is, it says, um, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melodies in your heart to the Lord. Is out of the overflow. So for me to be a godly husband and to be a godly father, I not only need the wisdom of God, but I need the spirit of God. So I need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me every day, to resource me, to give me capacity to do what he's called me to do. I don't know if that's your practice, whether or not it's something that you do on a daily basis to ask that the Holy Spirit will come upon you three great prepositions with regard to the theology of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit with you before you gave your life to Christ the Holy Spirit in you the moment of consecration and repentance and faith but the third preposition often forgotten is the Holy Spirit upon you and next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit came upon 120 people So God will be able to live his life in them and through them and give them capacity beyond their natural and normal means. For us in the family, we need to be filled with the spirit. It goes to the third principle in doing life, the blueprint for marriage and family. We need an attitude of mutual submission The blueprint for marriage is actually found in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's repeated by Moses here, of course, and Jesus and Paul. It's very interesting that the word cleave actually means to be glued together. It's the three-step process. It's the leaving, where we leave our parents And we train and teach young people just to make sure that they are able to not have interference from parents. We actually guard ourselves from getting involved in in the marriages of our children. That is intruding. If they welcome us, that's fine. But letting go of our children is very critical. That's why on, on the day of the wedding, when the question is asked, who gives this woman to be married to this man? There's a great authority there of letting go, establishing a new identity in that home. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But this word cleave means to be glued together. In Mark's gospel, Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. It's incredibly powerful to have Christ at the center of marriage and it's that mutual submission to the lordship of christ out of the fear of christ that jesus becomes front and center to everything that we do as andrea and i started out on our journey uh, 44 years ago that was very a strong core value that jesus would be center and to bow our knees to him as king and allow him to have control as best as we we could, with all of our frailty and humanity, let God fix up our mistakes when we got it wrong. But to submit to each other, to honor each other, husbands honoring wives, wives honoring their husbands, being respectful out of the fear of the Lord, recognizing that we're on the same team and we work in unison. It's a beautiful thing. And out of that comes uh, the song, singing to, your, to one another. <laughs> never done that. We do sing a lot, a lot in our family, but um, I've never sung directly to Andrea yet, I don't think. But songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melodies in your heart to the Lord, letting your home be filled with music and with worship. I love the whole concept of what Colossians talks about, what Paul talks about in Colossians, about all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. So when Christ is the center, he becomes the glue to your marriage and to your family. Probably Matthew 6... 33 has been one of our key verses to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything will be added to us. Principle number four. So we need wisdom. We need God's mind. We need God's power to be actually do God's mind, to actually live the life. We need to have the right attitude to each other that we are on the same team and we want Christ to be the center of our marriage. I wonder if that's true for you today. I wonder if Jesus features prominently in your marriage as a couple to reverence him, to honor him. I talk to couples and they don't pray together. I, I don't know how... How that would work Uh, because the greatest intimate relationship of all humankind is marriage and then to invite Jesus into that space prayer has always been a critical part of our value Uh, I don't know if it is for you but principle number four we need to function in our God given roles God kind of developed this blueprint for how we were to function it's not complex but um, it's critical for us to do in more recent times there's been some measure of um, dialogue and if not some measure of uh, conflict around specific roles Uh, I'm only telling you exactly what we have done we've followed the blueprint as best as we're able and just allow God to have his way We've taken on board the responsibility that God's given to to us as husbands. And I see headship as not dominant. I see headship as really a servant role. That when God created Eve, he took a rib from Adam's side and created this beautiful woman. Um, Actually, the word is he built In Adam's case, when God created him, he formed him like a potter. But for Eve, he actually built and constructed her, which is interesting, and presented her to Adam. And Adam was speechless when he saw this beautiful girl standing in front of him, the form, the majesty, the beauty. But the rib is very critical because it's the alongside. It wasn't a bone from the head or the hand or the foot. It was the alongside. So we are equal as husbands and wives, but different in our function. And for me, to be very honest, for me to take up my responsibility as the head of my home has been incredibly important because it's a spiritual covering that God has called for me to provide for my wife and children. Let me tell you a story. I was in the Solomon Islands in the middle of a jungle. God had began to move in revival in this particular village. <clears throat> it was a most amazing experience. And I think we stirred up a little bit of a hornet's nest in the spiritual world. And I was about to go to sleep that night in a flimsy little kind of leaf uh, building And I was awakened with a presence in my space. And I sat bolt upright in bed because I knew it was something very dark and very evil. Now, I don't fully understand how the spiritual world operates, but all I could hear was this echo. If you continue to do what you're doing, I will destroy your wife and your family. That's what I heard. And the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck. I knew I was right in the middle of this conflict. And um, I just cried out to God. I didn't know what to do because we're thousands of miles away from family, no phone, in the middle of nowhere. And I said, Heavenly Father, what is my response to this? And I heard this very loud, booming voice that came back into my heart. Your headship, my son, your headship. What I want to tell you, I got a little bit excited in that space. And I began to pray and declare that the Lord Jesus Christ has placed me as a spiritual head, and, and that it, with that there came some great authority. So I said in prayer, and speaking to that world of darkness, You cannot touch my wife, you cannot touch my children. You'll have to come to me first, and I'll send you to my head. His name is Jesus what great liberty i'd never fully understand the power and the authority that god vested in me as the spiritual head i tell you what i got home and i was so excited because often i used to travel when i walked out the door and say my prayers and committing family to the lord and havoc you know mayhem would break loose the car would break down the children would get sick and all manner of things well, after that time, I just enforced the reality of the spiritual truth that God had placed me with the spiritual responsibility of headship in the home. That has been incredibly powerful. As I've walked up and down outside the bedrooms of our children, wondering if the Lord has prompted me, if something's going on, to stand and listen and pray with authority. And I submit that to you. I know there's some question around headship. It is not dominance. We walk alongside. Andrea is beside me. This is a joint relationship complementing each other on the way. And what a complement Andrea is to me. This beautiful girl, mother and grandmother. But we journey together. And she looks up and it's this whole understanding what submission is. It's the word hypostasis. It's a beautiful word. It's not that we're under the, you know, ladies are under the foot. Now they're alongside of, but they look up and see this umbrella that's given to Adam and given to us as men to be a spiritual covering and to be watched within our homes. Can I hear an amen at this point? It's extremely powerful. And I just see Christian homes getting smashed. And us men, I feel so strongly about this. It's time for us to rise and take up our responsibility in the home. To be men of prayer, men of valor and courage... And stand in the gap for our families, and go to the electronic doors, and to go to every door that may want to intrude into the lives of our children. And I said to that dear mum on Thursday, she's a Christian lady gone into isolation now with deep shame about a daughter. I said to her, There's great power in prayer. We'll look to God for your daughter. But husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loves the church. It's a beautiful expression. You know, Dr. Gibson, the principal of our college, um, when I did my theological training, he spoke at our wedding, and he's, he spoke on the spirit-filled marriage, and he said, Graham, if you love your wife as Christ loves the church, she'll have no trouble submitting to you, which I thought was a good call. But wives, submit to your husbands, honor that umbrella, it's not underfoot. It's the alongside, but tilt your head sideways and it's there and encourage your husband to take his stand in the home and that will be a huge blessing. I've probably opened up a can of worms here, but that's okay. And respect your husband. Um, husbands need to be to earn that respect as well, I know through life and so on. But 1 Peter 3 is a beautiful expression there of a godly wife. You know, I, I take men to Psalm 112. Men, go to Psalm 112. If you want to be a godly man, go to Psalm 112. A godly woman is, Psalm 30, uh, is Proverbs 30, 31, but, uh, but it's the fear of the Lord that's the key to those two passages. going to jump into the next one which is about children Uh, we are very um, committed to children and discipling and mentoring and um, we've loved doing that the home is a place of discipleship and where you can train your children But as we go to the next slide we just notice that for many children and young people um, 75 percent of them 18 to 26 year olds leave church it uh, raises so many questions for me. Uh, if the home is a discipleship center and we live an authentic life in front of our children, we're not guaranteed that they're going to be followers of Jesus, but we live an authentic life in front of our kids. That's what deeply moved about my father, me, my, about my dad, was his absolute authentic life, his transparency and confessing his wrong, you know, things, his mistakes and that was very, very beautiful to have a um, an example like that. But research went on to find, as we go to the next slide, it's these five things which I fully concur with about raising a family. That these 25% said they ate dinner together five out of seven days of the week. That's a good call, isn't it? the mealtime. Number two, they served with their families in ministry. I've loved that myself. Had one spiritual experience in the home a week. Number four, entrusted um, with ministry at an early age. And number five, had at least one faith-focused adult in the life other than the parents'. You know, that's been true for us. It was true for my upbringing and it's been true for us as well as we've sought to model to our children how to live. I've taken the Deuteronomy passage, um, chapter six, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. That's inspiration, modeling to the children. Number two, to actually impress upon our children how to live. And number three, involve them in every aspect of life let's come to the next slide as we just close out and uh, honoring the biblical blueprint that may grate a little bit with some of the words for us in our modern culture but understanding the backstory embracing it will bless us and bless our families and will become a encouraged by what god does but i wonder as we go to the final slide is what is god saying to you to ask him for wisdom to ask him to fill you with the spirit to give you that beautiful attitude of of reverence mutual submission to each other to honor each other out of reverence for christ And finally, fulfilling your God-given responsibility. There was a point in time when I felt I had dishonored my father. I was in my 30s. And I remember back in my teen years that I dishonored Dad. And I wanted to put that straight. Honor is a beautiful word. And I went to him and I said, Dad, I need to tell you some attitudes and actions that I did as a teenager. And I dishonored your authority as she got on my knees and i said i was sorry and confessed what had happened he was a bit overwhelmed by by that but honor is a beautiful attribute for those of us who've actually left our mums and dads we don't have to obey them now we're married but there's something very powerful about the word honor And I just sort of feel in my spirit, if you've got a bad attitude or something has happened in your home to your parents, would you forgive them? The Bible says if you don't forgive Ashley, you can't be forgiven. And it might have been a tough upbringing for you. But forgive them. Hand them over to God. And he will do a miracle. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, this beautiful blueprint of the Bible. And um, I pray, Lord, that we'll embrace these principles. We'll take them into our hearts. I want to pray for that wisdom, that you'll give that gift of wisdom that we gain from the Bible. I pray that you will anoint us with your spirit. We feel so inadequate. Holy Spirit, rest upon the people today. Help us, Lord, to have that mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Let Jesus be center of our homes. And Father, I pray a rich blessing on how we function in our God-given roles. Thank you, Lord. We commend these things to you now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Patrick, and uh, I think we've gone. It's gone a bit long, isn't it? This old bloke can wind up a bit sometimes, but uh, Patrick, I'm not sure where we'll go from here.
0: I think what we'll do is, um, I think what we'll do is, we'll squeeze in a few quick Q and A questions. Um, Could we just get a second mic? uh real quick just to make this easier on us but um so um just wait for that do. you can enjoy my my cool jazz in the meantime <laughs> awesome so um so we've got um got a, a few questions here um just we'd love for you to speak on just practically um, you know, touching on things uh, uh, specifically around marriage, relationships, and that sort of stuff, um, got got here. Uh, what advice would you give to a newly married couple? Well, let's say they're just starting out. Um, what's your one pro tip? Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say uh, one of the
2: things that we've done, and um, to the young couple with young couples of more recent times is to work out the values. It's actually a lot of fun, because you take your your good from from my family and the girl from her family, put them together and work out what your values are, because that will be your glue. So uh, we've actually encouraged couple, couple... They get very excited about that. Is that right, Matt and Tegan? You just got a bit of... I think we went through with those guys. But it's lovely to be able to look at those values and own them and then live by them going forward. So that would be a very important
0: thing that we've discovered. All right. Um, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, so here's another one for you. Um, you know, you've been married for how many years now? 44. Yeah. 44, all right. So you can probably speak to this quite well. How do you keep uh, the fire of love burning between you and your wife? Oh, okay. Um, I personally love
2: adventure myself. I love going on adventures and I love taking Andrea on adventures. Uh, She's not so keen about my adventures, but once we get there, she seems to enjoy them. And uh, so I often do that. We do that on a weekly basis, just uh, having coffee somewhere. But we'll go on this drive on our day off and she'd say, Honey, where are we going? I said, Well, I'm not sure. We'll just go down this way. <laughs> and, and that seems to just that whole mystery of how we do that. It seems to work, really work well. We love praying together. That's one, It's part of what we do. So first thing in the morning, last thing at night is what we do together. Um, so prayer is very much keeping the, the fire kindling. Um, yeah. I think being very honest as well, being very open and honest when things come up, not letting them grow is uh, so there's no barriers. Um, we two work well together, so we complement. We're very different. I'm an extrovert, and, um, yeah, and she is... Quite phlegmatic and easygoing, and a, just a great compliment so we work well in a ministry space together. Yeah, not sure if that's very helpful. Uh, we do have our clashes, by the way, uh, mainly theological. My <laughs> wife is a very big Bible student, so she keeps me keeps me honest. Yeah,
0: I, I do think that is helpful. I think, um, yeah, one of the things that Anna, my, my wife, and I have just have learned is that. You know, when you've been in a relationship for long enough, you begin to have to be intentional about cultivating the relationship, and so that's you do. yeah, it's good to see that even after forty-four years, <laughs> yeah, that's still possible. Still. <laughs> even more so. <laughs> um, all right, so um, I got I got one here for you. Um, so often in a setting like this, um, someone can stand up and, and talk about how great their marriage is and mm-hmm. and ideals and all this sort of stuff, and and um, uh, just to make the men feel better about themselves, (laughs) what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have made in your journey as a husband and father? Um, I haven't been always
2: a good listener, often, very often. Uh, At the table, I'd be off in my own little world, only half my brain is working, not talking to the other side. I remember distinctly being at the table, and uh, Fiona was actually talking to me to my left here, so we've got seven kids around the table, and She's talking to me and I'm not even listening. And so she grabbed my face with both her hands and turned it towards her. (laughs) I said, oh, Fiona, I'm so sorry. Dad's off in his own little world. So I haven't always been a very good listener. Um, Just a bit preoccupied with my own space. Um, Yeah. I've sometimes gotten the discipline wrong and been um, just thought one of the children were, was doing something wrong and they weren't at all and I disciplined them and realised afterwards so I'd have to go and say sorry and ask for forgiveness and um, sometimes I'd make promises to the children and not fulfil them with good heart like we're going to go to dream world that sort of promise and it not actually happening and uh, having to confess and own up to that and, and make up for it Um Yeah, there's so many. There's just a few anyway. I think I've learned the power of saying sorry to my children and asking for their forgiveness. They've been very, very kind to do that. Um, Sometimes I haven't been considerate towards Andrea. I've just been very preoccupied with my agenda and I've had to say sorry. Sorry. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, if you're not considerate to your wife, your prayers will not be answered. So I've had to learn about being really, really considerate because I'm a bit uh, a bit driven, have been, a little bit different now. But um, yeah, so many. Is that enough?
0: That's I, th- I, think, I think that's enough <laughs> the men are like I still feel bad I think
2: I'm going <laughs> to get on my knees and get you guys to pray for me and you're, honestly I really struggle to put the photograph up today because it looks like it's all cool doesn't it but behind that photograph there's a lot of pain as well still you know, the reason why I got white hair is because I taught my kids how to drive but, um, but I loved it. Honestly, I loved 100 hours. It's the icing on the cake. Come on, men and women. You can spend that time with your kids and they can't run away. It's very good. But I tell you what, we've had some close calls. I'm glad I'm a Christian and going to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you so many stories on that one. But, but um, so um, it's a little bit, you know, uh, even if I come across passionate this morning, Slightly, some people get a bit intimidated by that because it's just the rush stuff. So forgive me if I've been intense. My kids say,
0: "Dad, you're a bit intense. Come on, take a chill pill." (laughs) um, We might we might wrap it up with one last question. Um, Obviously, you said you had seven children and twenty something grandchildren, Um, and from what I know about you, is you're actively You've been very active in um, mentoring and and discipling. Um, So a question we have is, is how do you effectively disciple your children to grow up loving and serving the Lord? I have loved this, actually. My dad taught me how to mentor. You
2: know, those five things, if you're a parent, take those five things, would you, if you forget everything else that I've said this morning, take those five things. It works. My dad would see value in me and he saw you know the, who i was like very determined and strong-willed and he shaved me and um you know we were down at dolby having um a holiday down there and um it was a brethren church or a gospel hall church are you are familiar with that brand yeah not the exclusive model but um they had a book at the entrance where you could write your name in if you wanted to do the preaching so as he was leaving, he wrote my name in there. I was 16. And I've done it to all my kids, so it's very nice. But uh, as I went and we got home, he said, oh, by the way, Graham, I wrote your name in the book. I said, what are you talking about, Dad? He said, you know, the church book, the book at the back of the church. I said, what's that all about? He said, well, I thought you were ready to get up and start speaking, Graham. so next Sunday night you're on. I said you've got to be kidding dad I'm on the holidays you've ruined my holiday what am I going to say he said well you just have to go and talk to God about that won't you and that was so providential you know I got up as a 16 year old put my suit on as best as I knew how in those days and delivered my first message some old ladies came up and patted me on the head and said you know what there's a bit of future in that and that kindled a fire, but that's dad, and I've done it with my kids. It's just that involving them, involving them. Let them come with you. Be authentic in the home. It's very, very critical. Your children will watch that, but give them a chance to have a go. So, you know, I pick on my kids, and I also pick on young adults as well when they come with me. It's the role of mentors. The Apostle Paul said there are many teachers, but there are not many Fathers, I love fathering. And I pray a blessing on all the dads here, all you blokes. You carry a huge influence in your home. Amen? Go for it. Live the life. We make mistakes. If I had a bit more time with Patrick, I would be on my knees telling you all my sins about family life. But go for it. Don't let the past define your future. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah.